It's not about what you do for God. It's not about what you do at all. It's all about what God has done for us. He has saved us. He has redeemed us. He has reclaimed His creation. It's focusing on how God saved the world, how He brings us together in that as a community of faith, and then how we walk in response to it. You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast for Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California. You know, as a pastor, uh, I get emails from time to time, right? And people are like, can you believe this? Did you see this? Right? Or, or sometimes I get on the social medias and, and you know, people are talking about this issue or, or that issue. And it's, and it's almost like we're kind of categorizing sin. It's like we, we rank those things according to how bad we think they might be. Things that we're comfortable with, things that we rationalize, things that we struggle with, well, those aren't that bad. We can kind of explain those things away. However, things that we disagree with, things that we may not be comfortable with, well, those are wretched, horrible things. For instance, you might say that murdering someone is a horrible act, and it is. But did you realize that Insulting a Christian brother or sister, holding a grudge against someone, even calling someone a fool is just as bad. Don't believe me? Matthew chapter 5, this guy named Jesus, maybe you heard of him, he says to the crowd standing around him, well, you've heard it say you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I tell you, even if you're angry with someone without cause, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone a fool, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Now let me ask you, our last two presidents, have you ever caught yourself calling anyone a fool? Well, according to Jesus, you're no better or no worse than a murderer. Or, or let me give you another example. We could be really hard on folks who engage in any type of of sexual sin, at least sexual sins that we're not comfortable with. However, Jesus goes on to say in the very same chapter, you've heard it say never commit adultery, but I can guarantee this, that whoever looks with lust at a person has already committed adultery in his heart. Truth is, You and I are no better and no worse than the person sitting next to us. Say it with me. I am no better and I am no worse than the people sitting around me. You are no better or no worse than the person you come in contact with when you're walking down the street. You're no better and no worse than the people that you drive on the freeway with and they just don't know how to drive, right? You're no better or no worse than the people who you're shopping with in the grocery store. I think you get my point. Why do I say this? We confessed it this morning in our confession because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, the issue is is that when we start thinking that we're better or worse than the people around us, it begins to create disunity in the body. It begins to create disunity in our world. You see it all around us, don't you? 
I mean, if I'm better than you, well, the truth is that I really don't value you as much as I do myself or those I perceive to be like me. I might even refer to to you as other or those people. Worse yet, I I might start to believe that those people are, are getting what they deserve when it seems that trouble has come their way. Yet, as we've already said, I'm no better and no worse than the people around me. What would change in our lives? What would change in our community if we started to realize that in our everyday life? And when you see someone in their brokenness go, man, I'm in my brokenness too. When you see somebody walk in the church that you're like, I don't know about them, to say, hey man, it's so cool that you're here because obviously you're struggling just like I am. What would change around us? Now, as we've already talked about, we're going to be journeying through the book of Romans this summer. There's a couple things to keep in mind as we journey. First off is this, before writing Romans, Paul had not yet visited the church in Rome. He had heard about their faith, he had heard how it's spreading throughout the known world, and he heard about some struggles that were going on in the church as it comes to relationship. You had Jewish Christians, you had Gentile Christians, and you had people who thought that they were better than others for a variety of reasons, right? The Jewish Christians were better than the Gentile Christians because the Jews were the chosen one. The Gentile Christians were better than the Jewish Christians because maybe the Gentiles had more money or finances or something else, right? There was a little bit of competition going on in the church, a little bit of us and them. And so Paul writes talking about this. The book of Romans is really an overview of Paul's teaching. That's why Luther said we probably should memorize the whole thing, right? He's telling the church in Rome, this is what I'm all about. This is what I believe. This is what I go throughout the world and and proclaim and profess everywhere I come in contact with. And he's kind of telling them this because he's going to hit them up for some money to support his missionary journey, right? He wants the church in Rome to know and be confident of the fact of of what he believes and what he is preaching when he goes on his missionary journey. And finally, as we read the book about Romans, we need to keep this one thing in mind. It's not about you. It's about God. In fact, in one commentary, the author points out that the primary question in Romans is theocentric. How can God reclaim the creation. In terms of humanity alone, two major questions come to the surface. How can God include the Gentiles? And how can God save the people of Israel, his chosen? To put it another way, It's not about what you do for God. It's not about what you do at all. It's all about what God has done for us. He has saved us. He has redeemed us. He has reclaimed His creation. It's focusing on how God saved the world, how He brings us together in that as a community of faith, and then how we walk in response to that.
But really, it's not about us at all. It's all about God. You and I are no better and no worse than anyone around us. We're all broken. We all struggle. We all are sinful. We deserve sin or we deserve death and hell because of our selfishness, our sinfulness. Sure, we might think we're good people. We might even think we're better than those people. But as Paul points out in our text this morning, no matter who you are, if you judge anyone, you have no excuse. When you judge another person, you condemn yourself since you, the judge, do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment is right when he condemns people for doing these things. Yet, when you judge people for doing these things, then you, and you do them yourself, you think you're going to escape God's judgment? Do you have contempt for God, Paul asked, who's very kind to you? and puts up with you and deals with you patiently. Now, I don't know about you, but I am so glad about that. Don't you realize that it's God's kindness that's trying to lead you to Him and change the way you think and you act? Now, as we'll see a little bit later in Romans, Paul knows full well. He knows that he's a wretched man. He knows that he still struggles with sin as a redeemed child of the king. He knows he can't rescue himself. But it's only through the person and the work of Jesus Christ that he and all humanity can be saved. I mean, as he penned this, he along with his scribe, these 7,100 words, he talked all about how God is the one who saves us. I mean, to be honest, Paul tells us right here in chapter 1 what his mission in life is, that he has an obligation to those who are civilized and to those who aren't, to those who are wise and to those who aren't. And what's this obligation? It's to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. As it says in verse 15, that's why I e I'm eager to tell you who live in Rome. I'm eager to tell you the good news also. You see, as he says in verse 16 and 17 of our text, he says he's not ashamed of this good news. It's the God's power to save everyone who believes. Jews first and Greeks as well. God's approval is revealed in this good news. This approval Approval begins and ends with faith. As Scripture says, the person who has God's approval will live by faith. You see, these two verses, verses 16 and 17 of Romans chapter 1, they are the crux of Romans. They summarize the theme of this entire book. It's about the good news. God, through his work, in the person and work of Jesus Christ, has given us victory over sin, death, and the power of the devil. It's through faith in Christ's death, life, and resurrection, the faith that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has given to us and strengthens in us through his word and sacrament that God has declared us righteous, that we are fully forgiven in him, that he is made known to us, and he gives us the promise of eternity. We bring God nothing. 
All that we have is brokenness, sinfulness, and selfishness. Remember, we're no better or no worse than anybody else around us, yet God, who is rich in kindness, gives us everything. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, that's some good news, amen? You see, this good news is what Paul brought to the world that he lived in. A world where he knew the brokenness. A world where he saw it, the brokenness, both outside the church and in. A world where, yes, he proclaimed, that's sin. But he also proclaimed, but there's an answer for that. An answer outside of yourself that comes, Jesus the Christ. And it's the same good news that we carry with us. In the places we live, learn, labor, and laugh. That the brokenness that our world so much tries to fix on its own, and we know time and time again, we see there's no fix for that in ourselves. That a God who is kind and patient has come into the world and has redeemed you and me, everyone else. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening today. A video archive of our online worship services, including today's message, can be found on our YouTube channel and at www.bethanylutheran.org. Links for both of these are in the show notes. If you would like to support this podcast or the ministry of Bethany Lutheran Church in Long Beach, California, you can text the word GIVE to 562-210-0463. That's GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 562 562- Two one zero zero four six three. We pray that you have a wonderful and blessed week.